Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome in. You're listening to the Four Feathers post-game show, and it's a happy occasion. We are talking about the Blackhawks 2-1 to overtime winner over the Dallas Stars here, uh, Tuesday, February 9th. Run, what a hell of a game. How are you doing, my man? I am good, and yeah, like you said, what a hell of a game. I mean, I know we're going to dive into it, so I'm not going to give too much away, but the fact the Blackhawks won this game tonight is, is kind of crazy. Uh, and I'm actually very excited to dive into it with you because, like you said, what a game and what a finish. Yeah, I, I mean, the excitement level, it, it just was uh, it, it fluctuated because you're kind of down in the dumps early. And we'll talk about why that was the case. Uh, and then there was a flip the switch moment. So that's the show is going to be called flip the switch. Uh, Blackhawks were able to execute that uh, and ultimately cap it off, like I said, an overtime winner. So uh, we'll get into all that. But before we do, make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod and at on tap sports net uh, if you enjoy the podcast please go subscribe rate and review wherever you choose to listen to your podcast we would greatly appreciate that so ron uh let's dive in with some uh, initial thoughts about this game um like i mentioned the 2-1 final of uh, it very exhilarating and uh kind of a tale of two halves here yeah it really was i mean i kind of admittedly saw you know kind of bits and pieces of that early part of this game and the Blackhawks just looked flat. They like didn't look like they wanted to play tonight. They they weren't showing up. You know, they were badly out hit. They were dominated in the faceoff dot. It just it felt like the Blackhawks game that we expected to see, I think, going into this season. Um, then like you said, uh flip the switch, that that power play goal by Jan Mark really turning things around, and all of a sudden they played with at least enough purpose late in the game to, to push this thing to OT and ultimately, uh, you know, win the game in, in overtime. So, uh, you know, kind of a, a character victory, I think, is is kind of my initial takeaway from this one. You know, you, you played a, you you won a game you didn't deserve to win, and that being the Blackhawks. So the fact they were able to pull this one out tonight and do what they did was was pretty spectacular, not going to lie. Talk about the, you know, kind of flip the switch theme here, a bounce back of sorts um, for, in general, the team. Uh, very uh, poor effort, I would say, uh, for the first period and for most of the uh, second period up until that power play goal that you mentioned. Um, and, and then also in that, obviously, you know, it got to the point uh, where they really had nice third period put together a lot of good pressure in there. So uh, kind of the tale of two halves bouncing back, all of that. But sticking with that theme on an individual level, uh, Pia Suter, um, he, he gets absolutely absolutely hosed on the first goal and it was a hundred percent his fault. Um, you know, but I tweeted out from the four feathers, Ron, when I say be really nice to see him factor into a goal four here, uh, to get some redemption here. How's redemption for scoring the goddamn overtime winner? Uh, that's pretty fucking cool and tough. If you ask me, Ron. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. The redemption, you know, that you would want to, right. I mean, talk about making up for your mistake, you know, getting absolutely hosed on that first goal. You guys are there, you know, they're down one, nothing to the stars. It looks like it's going to be a, a game that the stars win. And what better way to win it than make a dirty move in overtime and, and bury one uh, behind Jake Ottinger to end this thing. So yeah, absolutely. Redemption for Pia Suter and uh, truly good for him tonight. 
my other kind of initial thought in this is uh, the Lankan indifference. And I'm not taking anything away from what Subban did because he, you know, eventually it resulted in a 2-1 overtime victory for him on Sunday. So identical mm-hmm. scores here uh, in Dallas to take these four points. But so I'm not taking anything away from him. But there is a little bit of a rush here uh, in the second period when the Stars were really putting it on the Hawks chance wise. Uh, and he made a sequence of three saves that we'll get into a little more in detail. But I feel like one of those may have gone past Subban just because, you know, you saw some of the rebound control get a little bit uh, wanky for him on uh, Sunday afternoon. But luckily, it didn't end up in the back of his net. With how hard the Stars were coming and how little the Blackhawks had going the other way, I think one of these could end up in the back of the net if it's not Kevin Lankin in there. So the Lankin indifference, um, I'll go with there. All right, um, let's get into a little bit of setup uh, coming into this one because there was some news. Uh, Connor Murphy sidelined with a right hip injury, so he did not play tonight. Stated his day today. Um, and Madison Bowie took his place, uh, making his Blackhawks debut. Uh, Ron, I, I know that you know it's a, kind of a rotation of young guys here, but I'd be hard pressed to not think this is just uh, his kind of game that's handed to him, so they can expose him in the expansion draft. Um, thoughts. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I saw a lot of conspiracies kind of floating around Twitter after that move was made. And that was kind of the conspiracy was he, um, you know, assuming plays enough games, uh, he will be exposed uh, as pretty much the lone defenseman that they would need to expose that meets the criteria. Because um, Seabrook's probably not going to meet it just because of his injuries. And then everybody else is either going to be a free agent or they're going to probably end up protecting. So, um or they're just not eligible a lot because, again, kind of a perk of being a rebuilding team when there's an expansion draft is you don't lose anybody critical um, because they're either free agents or they're just not eligible to be picked or you're going to no-brainer protect them and you're going to call it a day. So um, I think it's you know kind of interesting you know, watching Bowie uh, just kind of skate around and play whatever what it was like 10 minutes tonight. But, yeah, um, you know, Carlton likes this 7D. So, and I think just because of the amount of be- youth on the back end, you're going to see a lot of it this year. Uh, yeah. So like you said, they went with the uh, 7D 11 forwards lineup tonight. Uh, luckily, you know, this is one that they end up winning. So that's good. But uh, just circling back on Bowie really quick um, back when they had signed him, um, you know, uh, this is probably about what, two and a half weeks ago or so. Uh, now he's finally getting in some action here. I believe cap friendly the site that runs all of the uh, kind of, you know, it gives out the player contract details and all that, and they host all that there. Um, They put out a tweet uh, on their transactions page that with the signing of Bowie, he only had to play in one game to be able to be exposed um, by the Blackhawks in the expansion draft. So that, you know, uh, gives them, uh, if say that weren't the case and they didn't have him, to do that, uh, maybe a Murphy or a DeHaan, uh, one of those likes that they would have to expose. So that's the significance of that. Uh, like I said, didn't really factor in too much, played about 10 minutes, yada, yada. Uh, but just wanted to say that because that was kind of the news coming in. Uh, Lucas Carlson draws back in, obviously, Kevin Lankton, uh, who had already hinted at um, in that. So let's get into this one first uh, period here. Uh, Strom uh, feeds Kane an early uh, attempt. Uh, so the Blackhawks, you know, as much as you talk about how it was kind of bad, um, for the most part of the first half, they were actually coming out with, with the jump in the very, very first few minutes. Um, but that, that quickly changed um, in favor of the Stars. And uh, getting right into it, uh, P.S. Suter, two turnovers. One is he's trying to exit the zone so the Stars regain possession of the puck. And then when he's circling back within his zone, uh, gets absolutely blown, his doors blown off by Rupe Hintz, uh, who gets in behind him and makes it 1-0 stars here, Ron. Um, take me through uh, the, the thought process here, uh, especially after seeing the stars starting to pile up uh, all of these coursey chances and scoring chances and all that. 
I was going to say, if you are a hockey nerd in terms of stats like myself and Johnny here, uh, and you looked at the Corsi, you would have been alarmed because it was disgustingly in favor of the Dallas Stars. Like I said, this really felt like a game that, you know, we expected to see a lot more of, I think, this Hawks season where a more superior team on paper comes out and just dominates them from start to end and beats them by like three goals. Like that's I think that's what the feeling was for a lot of people when Hint scored, especially after the mistake made by Suter. So and it kind of goes back to Johnny to what you said about Subban, right? Just to quickly tie that together, you know, the Lankin indifference. And I think the reason is because at least on Sunday. To me, the Hawks actually kind of outplayed the Stars uh, in some ways on Sunday. Obviously, I think they outchanced them, if I remember correctly. I would say they outplayed them besides the second period on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. so you know, that, I think that was a benefit to a guy like Malcolm Subban being in net because at least they were controlling more of the play. So he wasn't getting into those kind of situations where you know the other team is bearing down on him consistently. Uh, where tonight that first period and especially that hints goal really felt like that. And so uh, I think it was really concerning early on for Hawks fans. I know I was concerned. And then again, went and looked up the, uh, the Corsi numbers and was like, Oh yeah, yeah, that makes more sense now. As I'm running down this, you know, and we kind of do these events as we go period by period. And, um, you know, I talk about the Blackhawks uh, not having much going early on. It wasn't like they didn't have opportunities though. The stars handed them to them on a silver platter, three, Separate penalties alone for the Stars in the first period. Dickinson boarding penalty at 854, excuse me. Uh, too many men penalty at 1221. And uh, Guryanov tripping penalty so that at 1849. That would carry over into the beginning of the second period. They didn't do anything with all three of those. And they didn't look like they had much going. And it's like, oh, man. This is our strength before. This really doesn't feel like our night now. Uh, but that would change, and it was the power play as the culprit on that. So uh, we need to do another turning point, though, as we turn it over to the second period here. Um, I talk about the sequence of saves here. The power play carries over. So um, they have it for 49 seconds to start the period. The Blackhawks do, but they look flat coming out, and this is mm-hmm. just an even more concerning sign. Uh, Comio comes in on a shorthanded breakaway. Lankanen makes a nice glove save, and then just after, Blackhawks finally got it back down down in there and towards the very end of this power play as it's taking down Guryanov um, breaks out of the box playing alone on the breakaway Qualm, cool collected Kevin turns him down and then he makes another big stop on Pavelski there um, Ron this is what I talk about when I say the like and indifference yeah like you said calm cool collected Kevin the the Lincoln indifference I mean that's like that literally could be a tagline for whatever I mean that is the Kevin Lankin and tagline this year at least for us here at four feathers because yeah, I mean, he he looked sensational, and he really kept this team in that in this game when they were still kind of trying to find their legs. And, you know, you mentioned early in that second period, they were still very much finding their legs. So, um, you know, for, for Lankanen to step up the way he did, I think that mental break that they gave him for Sunday's game was actually good. Um, for those that don't know, Colin Delia backed up Subban on, on Sunday, so Lankanen had the total day off. He didn't even need to mentally be prepared for the game, which – I think it was good. You know, he, he had a lot of work over the last few games. You saw it tonight. I think it paid big dividends because he looked absolutely fantastic and net. Um, obviously, you can't fault him too much for the hint goal because of just the poor defense in front of him. But like you said, Johnny, the, the Lincoln indifference is, is he keeps the Hawks in this game in that second period. 100%. Um, as we move on, one another goal would get behind, excuse me, not a goal. Another puck would get behind him, but it wouldn't count as a goal. Um, so after all those chances that I just mentioned, and he stands tall, makes all three of those big saves. Jamie Benn, of course, uh, you know, a resident tough guy uh, for the Dallas Stars, but, you know, he's got a scoring touch too. Hanging out in front of the net, 
cross checks Kevin Lankinen, uh, not only once, but gives him another little shove to make sure he's out of position. Uh, and then buries one top shelf uh, right out in front of him. Um, but it's, you know, challenged, called back for goalie interference. Very blatant. Ben knew it himself. Uh, he didn't even like celebrate, throw his arms up after the goal, uh, went in the back of the net. Um, but hey, for, for a young rookie goaltender here, I think, I think it's big for you talk about that mental break that Kevin Lankinen had um, on Sunday uh, for bouncing back from something like that. Um, I know, like I said, it wouldn't count on the scoreboard anyway, but still, that, that can be the kind of thing that veterans do mess with some younger players um, right there on the doorstep. So uh, props to Kevin Lankin in there, uh, the Kevin Lankin indifference. Um, we put out a tweet too, uh, the Calvin DeHaan appreciation tweet. Um, he made an excellent seal off. Um, this is still while the Hawks are kind of, you know, um, trailing this game in terms of momentum uh, and chances and all of this. Um, Guriano very well could have broken in uh, and had a great opportunity on Kevin Lankinen, but um, he hit me with a little Calvin DeHaan praise because he sealed the wall, uh, made sure there was not even an attempt at the net. Yeah, Calvin DeHaan coming through once again. Um, fan favorite over here for us uh, at Four Feathers. And, um, you know, I think just a guy like him on this team this year is just that much more appreciated because he is that veteran, you know, kind of a little more of a stay-at-home guy. He's got an offensive touch, but, um, you know, he certainly prides himself on his defensive play. And, and that's a move that, you know, maybe a young guy, maybe a, a Nicholas Bodan or maybe an Ian Mitchell or, or you know, an Adam Boakfast when he's, you know, actually in the lineup. Maybe one of those guys don't make that move. And and obviously Calvin DeHaan being the veteran he is uh, makes a great defensive play and, and keeps another Dallas Stars chance away from Kevin Lankinen. And, you know, that's the, really the best thing they can do is just try to protect Lankinen. And, you know, he's going to make the saves when he has to. But he doesn't need to be peppered by 45 shots every night either. Um, let's move on and um, look at the, what happened next year uh, in the sequence of significant events. And that was uh, Kane uh, takes a hooking penalty. Um, he went palms up. Uh, you know, they didn't feel like maybe it was uh, most warranted, but either way, he goes to the box. Uh, props to the Blackhawks penalty kill once again. The Stars unit was very hot coming in. They didn't allow a single power play goal. I believe it was two chances on Sunday, two again today. Um, you know, held them over. So that, that was a positive here from the penalty kill. Um, and then not long after, uh, Kane and Cat have a little two on one break in and this to me felt like oh shit we needed this one if we were going to get back in um, but luckily John Klingberg comes to rescue for us by taking a hooky penalty on McTS mark at the 13-19 mark um, and of course uh, how fitting is it Ron that Matthias Yanmark is the one that ends up scoring the goal against his former team here to get the Blackhawks on the board and so to say flip the switch in this game for the Hawks yeah, absolutely. And and what a great play just overall. Uh, I saw somebody tweeted tonight um, just about like how different these power play units look from last year to this year. Last year, you had guys like Taves, you had guys like Doc, you know, and their power play was absolute trash. And then this year you have this second unit with guys like Philip Kurashev and Matthias Janmark and, and Dominic Kubelik, who's really kind of taking an elevated role to me on that second power play unit because they need that guy. Uh, down there, and they're playing great. Kurashev with an unbelievable pass across ice. He finds Kubelik. Kubelik puts, you know, the puck toward the net, and like you said, Matthias Janmark right out there in front of the slot. Uh, he's able to tip the puck what looked like, I believe it was five-hole, uh, if I remember correctly, on the replay uh, on Jake Ottinger, and yeah, like you said, really flipped the switch in this game at, at you know, just after the 14-minute mark of the second period. 
Yeah, I was going to comment on the Khrushchev uh, passing, but just what, you know, excellent vision uh, to hit that mm-hmm. seam there. So uh, and I see him uh, continue to produce here. Um, and uh, it, like I said, the flip the switch here, um, it, it would have been, you know, if they just scored and then Dallas came back and did their same thing at five on five, um, you know, wouldn't have been as much of a difference. And I think Dallas would have ended up winning this game. Uh, but the Blackhawks put on um, excellent pressure after this to close out what was a really lousy start to the second, um, you know, fourth line getting involved. Uh, Soderberg had a couple of chances. Mitchell had a sh- nice shot uh, attempt that was turned away, um, but either way, just overall, re- really nice jump, really nice pressure after the power play. Give you some momentum uh, heading into the locker room, and they carried it over uh, once it came out to the uh, third period, and um, you know, I think the maybe the uh, people that run Natural Stat Trick, Ron, are uh, Dallas Stars fans, because uh, Natural Stat Trick on this game, at least for me, uh, initially had quit on me, uh, so I couldn't check it in live time throughout the third period, uh, because the Blackhawks being the better of the chances. No, uh, I'm just joking here, but um, Blackhawks did apply uh, much more pressure in the third period, and they were dictating the terms, which was complete flip-flop from uh, how it looked in the first, you know, I would say, uh, you know, 25 ish minutes of this game, uh, 30 minutes, even, you know, creeping up a little bit until they scored the power play goal, really. So, um, you know, there were chances keeping it away from Lankanen for the most part, uh, which is good to see. Uh, but Dallas did come back and they, um, you know, uh, put on a push of their own uh, down the stretch here, maybe with about four or so minutes left. Uh, but Lankanen stood tall. And uh, I had a little funny comment in here that, um, you know, Zadorov kind of had a turnover and he got back and sure got a stick in there to kind of uh, deflect it away from Foxa, but it was much closer than it should have been. And um, I said, Bodine is the one out there to stabilize Zadorov, not the other way around. Like you think of it for the veteran. That's really what it feels like. Uh, we're getting the Jekyll and Hyde again from Nikita Zadorov. Yeah, and and I'll I'll save my rant for the um, you know kind of more of our detailed analysis here after we're done going through the each period. But yeah, um, yeah, Zadorov, uh, um, for lack of a better term, scared the shit out of me there in the third period. And <laughs> to your point, you know, guys like Bodin and Mitchell really kind of step it up to stabilize Zadorov is kind of funny and kind of the complete opposite, I think, of what fans and maybe even the team itself expected from this season. You know, the guy that's making 3.2 and he's been in the league for what, this is like his seventh season or something crazy like that, you know, is getting bailed out by these guys that I don't even think combined have like 25 games in the league. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's that level of, you know, yeah. Bowden had what one last year and then he's played in what five or six games so far this year. And then yeah. Mitchell's played in every game thus far. So realistically it's about 25 games combined between the two of these guys, not even. So, um, just really weird, you know, in that, in that sequence. But, uh, thankfully, like you said, you know, Lankin makes a bunch of really big saves. Um, you know, Zadora, it made a couple plays to at least bail himself out a little bit, you know, using his body, using what he can the do. The weight too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Using, using those assets that he does have, uh, at least to bail himself out, uh, in some of those occasions as well. But yeah, holy shit. Every time I saw 16 run around the ice there in that third period, especially late, I just, I got really nervous. I would agree with you. Scared shitless is what I would say. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a, good, a good way to put it there. Uh, like I said, no, no scoring in this third period. So just a few um, kind of uh, quick notes that I had from it. So uh, Ian Mitchell, re- real smart play. Miro Heiskanen was kind of driving in as a shot came through and uh, he lifts the stick um, to deny p- potential chance. So that, that puck skidded wider than that completely, but hey, could be a different story if Heiskanen is able to keep that stick on the ice. So uh, heads up play from the rookie there, Ian Mitchell. And then uh, Kane and Cat had a real neat 
passing play, and Suter almost had his redemption here, Ron, uh, but he was denied on the doorstep. Got to give Jake Ottinger credit where it's due. Um, he, that's a scary uh, you know, trio of players, obviously, Kane and Cat leading the way there. Uh, but Suter, he is will show as we uh, get into the overtime period uh, what he can really offer here. So, um, like I'd mentioned, from that Stars uh, push down the stretch, talk about a nice play from the rookie, Ian Mitchell. Let's send it to the vet, Duncan Keith. Um, there was a puck in the blue paint. Um, and it was just waiting for uh, a star stick to come in, tap it into the open net. That was with under a minute left, too. This could have very easily been um, the kind of cheap goal uh, the Stars get because it was one that just kind of slipped through. Uh, I'm sure they were applying pressure there, uh, but luckily, Duncan Keith, right place, right time. So um, good opportunistic plays from the defense, I guess, is my final takeaway from the third period. Uh, into overtime, man. Um, first of all, Kevin Lankinen, first NHL point. Comes on an assist in overtime here, and the play was just beautiful. Uh, Hagel running it up through the middle, uh, sends it over to Suter, who's kind of driving from right top of the right circle in, absolutely undresses John Klingberg and uh, buries it. It's just a filthy move. Uh, it'll be on all the highlights tonight on NHL Network all throughout the day tomorrow. Um, Hawks win 2-1, to one, take 4-4 four four points here in Dallas, Ron. I was ecstatic. Yeah, I was... My my reaction to to Pia Suter's move there in overtime was about the equivalent of watching a guy get posterized in a basketball game. Um, it just I was giggling hysterically, like "Oh my god, what was that?" And then kind of laughing because, like you said, um, this really good Dallas Stars team on paper that just went to the Stanley Cup final uh, just took two or four points against the Hawks and that was it. And I think that's crazy to think um, that the Hawks were able to force overtime with both of these games and, and ultimately come out victorious. But yeah, man, I really, you know, nice seeing Lankin and get in on it. Hysterical. The fact that Suter, Hagel and Mitchell are the three on the ice there in overtime when they ultimately win this thing. Um, but wow. I mean, Pia Suter really is, is starting to show why the Hawks were so excited about signing him. I mean, this guy did lead, uh, the, you know, the, I believe it was the Swiss league, uh, in scoring the entire league, uh, in the last full season of play. So there's no denying the guy's got skill and, and you absolutely saw it right there on that play. I mean, like you said, undressed is a perfect word for it. Um, yeah. undresses Klingberg and, and buries it for, uh, the GWG and OT. All right, so our joke of the podcast tonight comes from at Unreal NHL Takes on Twitter uh, from the video that we posted of that GWG. He quote tweeted it and says, uh, if Klingberg got undressed like that in Chicago, he would catch hypothermia and die. So I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's a great joke, and thank you at Unreal NHL Tweets or Takes. Uh, th- that was just uh, gave me a good laugh, and I thought that was funny because uh, Pia Suter, nasty move, and John Klingberg was the um, you know kind of victim of that. So. Uh, excellent to see this. Uh, you know, I'm really glad we didn't go to a shootout. Um, I've outlined the struggles there and how much you missed Jonathan Taves there. So uh, lucky, I, I'm really nice to see after four overtime losses to start in, in their you know, overtime or shootout um, early on in the season to win their next two. Um, maybe they, I just need to write that article to remind them that, okay, uh, our wingers got to step up to uh, bury this since we don't have the captain uh, rushed up middle uh playing both ways so um let's get to some uh more overarching observations uh if you have them and then we will uh preview thursday's game yeah i think for starters um obviously the 11 forward 7d uh prompted some thoughts for me love seeing Pia Suter play 16 minutes i think that's excellent for him obviously uh, you know the blunders early but um 
tied for the the team lead in terms of forwards with shots on goal. Duncan Keith actually led the team tonight with five shots on net, but uh, really good to see that out of Pia Suter. I, I think just overall that's the biggest thing. But for me, it's the it's it's really the time on ice uh, amongst defensemen um, that kind of irks me a little bit, I guess. Uh, love that Ian Mitchell, second leading defenseman tonight in terms of minutes, played 18-21 with only four seconds of that being on special teams. So relied very heavily at five on five, which is only going to benefit his development, in my opinion. Um, kind of hate the fact that Zdorov was the third highest in terms of minutes, especially with how well guys like Nicholas Bodan and Calvin DeHaan have been playing. Uh, Bodan played only 15 and a half minutes. Uh, DeHaan played just short of 17 and a half minutes tonight. So I understand Zadorov is still kind of going through the evaluation period. He's young. You want to see if he's part of the future. He's only on a one-year contract, so on and so forth. But Johnny, as you mentioned, he's got this Jackal and Hyde kind of personality right now on the ice. And you saw it glaringly, the Mr. Hyde part, um, you know, in, in the late parts of the third period when you're trying to send this thing potentially to OT or win the game in regulation. So, you know, I would like to almost see more Calvin DeHaan, more Nicholas Bodan. Hell, he's been playing well. I, I would argue he's been one of their better defensemen recently, and I, I never thought I would be saying that this early in his career, but good for him. And, and and obviously Duncan Keith is the Iron Man. He's playing 24 and a half minutes, but I expect that on a nightly basis, especially in this type of situation when they're running a lot of youth uh, on that back end. So um, don't really care that Bowie and, and Carlson are only playing about 10 and a half minutes each, but I would really just, especially when Zadorov isn't playing well, like he didn't at times tonight, would really like to see more minutes for guys like DeHaan and, you know, fuck it, even Mitchell and Bodan. Um, I, I think all all three of them are warranting of, of some more minutes. And then obviously cool, calm, collective Kevin, uh, another 971 save percentage and a W for him tonight is uh, pretty awesome. And, um, you know, three for three on saves on the power play, three for three saves uh, shorthanded tonight for him as well. So only damage coming on uh, five on five, but stops 34 of 35. Got to be really happy about this performance again for the Hawks because, like we said early on, just kind of to wrap up my thoughts, this was a game you probably shouldn't have won uh, if you look at all the numbers and everything. But they battled back. They did uh, They did enough, and uh, and they won this thing. And, oh, uh, the one last thing, and this is, Johnny, for you, um, the JC Trust Circle coming again uh, with Matthias Janmark because he is the only mm-hmm. player on the entire roster besides Duncan Keith that played more than two minutes, both shorthanded and power play. Um, so Matias Janmark is in the JC circle of trust, but again, it's going to be really a shame when he gets traded at the deadline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, <laughs> uh, I have a little on Janmark to get to in mind here. Uh, you made a lot of good points. I don't need to go and double up on those. Um, but N- Nick Bodin, um, I just uh, am impressed uh, with how I've seen him uh, grow even just from the very first few games that he was in this season and his, you know, one little tryout last year. Um, but, you know, he, he's becoming relied upon. And I know, like we'd mentioned, uh, you, you'd run down all the minutes there. I uh, don't need to rehash that. But um, it, either way, for a young guy to play this, you know, 15, 28, even in a 7D lineup tonight, it just tells you um, that, you know, granted, you know, Mitchell's probably has a higher ceiling longer term. Uh, Adam Bocas is going to be the more flashy guy offensively, but you need someone like uh, Nick Bodine, a slick Nick, um, because he can offer a little bit of each. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's a good hybrid uh, from yeah. him. So I, I like his game, and I'm excited to see him continue grow. Um, will be interesting to see um, how JC handles things when Adam Bocos is finally fit to return to the lineup now that he's off the COVID list. Um, other than that, um, like I said, you ran down a bunch of good points, so we need to get to the cool and tough player of the game before we preview Thursday. And, uh, you know, we, me and Tony, we, we have had one where it's been consensus. Uh, I think this is the first time you're on to discuss a cool and tough player of the game, Ron. I'm going to go with Matias Janmark tonight. Um, being the one, his goal, flip the switch for the Hawks. And like you had mentioned, uh, further backing up my point, um, he's fully emboldened into that JC trust circle, uh, playing big minutes on both uh, the penalty kill and the power play. Um, and uh, I really liked him just responding after, even though it was a joke, his old teammate, John Klingberg, saying, oh, yeah, you know, Yanny can't shoot the puck. You know, it's a fun jab, whatever. But mm-hmm. I went and looked up, sent in our group chat, you know, well, he's shooting 20% to your 13 and a half, uh, you know, Klingberg. And Klingberg was the one that took the penalty tonight that uh, Yanmark eventually scored on. So, hey, karma's a bitch, John Klingberg. It sure is. So, and, and Klingberg also got undressed in overtime uh, yeah. for the OT winner. So a little bit of double karma uh, for, for John Klingberg tonight. No, I um, I, I love your Matthias Janmark pick. Uh, I, I just think there's a guy that he he was cool and tough tonight that I have to give some love to. And that's Pia Suter. Um, we talked at length about it. You know, two really bad giveaways um, early in this game. A, you know, a young guy, even a guy coming from overseas that has professional experience might get down on themselves, might just completely fall out of this game in terms of effective, you know, their effectiveness, really. Um, but at the end of the day, Suter responds by, you know, tied for the, the the lead among forwards and shots on goal and makes a fantastic play uh, in overtime to win this thing. So to me, that kind of resiliency within a single game to be kind of a jackal and hide of his own where really bad early on, but fixed himself, got back into the game mentally as well as physically and ultimately wins this thing for the Hawks. To me, number 24 tonight is a pretty cool and tough dude. Yeah. Um, I, I like it. And, uh, you know, uh, and you know, it's just a coach's job and they do it as they see fit, but um, props to Jeremy Calden for not giving up on him. And uh, a game mm-hmm. like this could be easy uh, to show him the bench for a while. Um, but, you know, I'm sure he missed uh, maybe one or two uh, just so they could talk to him about it, but uh, he was inserted right back in there um, and obviously ended up being the difference maker in overtime tonight. So um, good to see all around. And I just love a Hawks win. So uh, let's move on uh, to their next opportunity to acquire one of those victories. And that will be back home. Uh, uh, boys will be back in town Thursday night, February 11th, 7 p.m. Central Time, NBC Sports Chicago, Columbus Blue Jackets uh, back in to visit. Uh, they were here a couple weeks ago. Um, they sit right now at 6-5-3, uh, and three. their last series split with Carolina, 6-5 loss on Sunday, 1-3-2 on Monday. Um, Ron, this team's got a little bit of drama surrounding it. Um, you know, you thought some of that might have been dispelled. Pierre-Luc Dubois leaving. They got that trade off, but the guy, one of the guys that got back, um, you know, Jack Roslick's been good for him, but hey, Patrick Kleine, the big headliner in that, um, already getting benched. Uh, Miko Koivu retired um, today. Not sure if that's totally on uh, anybody within Columbus's organization, but either way, you know, he played seven games this year and then decided to call, call it quit. So it wasn't like a before the season thing or he wasn't playing. Um, Going to be interesting uh, with what Columbus brings to town and their baggage. <laughs> Yeah, that's just, it's a weird team right now. And I'm looking at some of their stats. I I fully agree. I think Jack Roslovic was a a perfect addition for that team. He just fits their style of play, especially a Tortorella style of play. Um, And he actually leads them in points right now with seven. So I think that's certainly worth noting um, at this point in the season. But 
Uh, or excuse me, that's in the last five games. He has seven points, excuse me. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, a guy that's just been very, very good for them. But yeah, Line A, I saw something tonight too, and this might clear it up a little bit why Line A was benched. Supposedly he like kind of got snippy with an assistant coach and it was Tortorella's way of just saying like, hey, just be respectful to your coaches type thing. And that's why he benched him. But he didn't just bench Line A. He benched um, Teixeira or Tessier, Tessier, right? I believe because he's French, Tessier. Um, as well as another guy. He benched three guys in that game. Um, it wasn't just Line A, which is, again, to your point, and then obviously Miko Koivu just retiring after, you know, however many games this season. Yeah, um, seven. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just, it's, it's a bit of a gong show right now in Columbus. But then kind of just to, to fully back up this point, um, what if I told you that combined goals against average and save percentage, the Hawks are better than the Columbus Blue Jackets, but they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, Corpus Allo. You wouldn't think that coming into the season, but that's where it is. Hell no, especially with how well uh, Merce Lincoln's played late last season for Columbus uh, and just how good Corpus Allo was early on this season for them. He's 4-3-2, and two, that being that being Corpus Allo. Merce um, Lincoln's is 2-2-1, two, two, and one. Uh, but Merce Lincoln's with the better save percentage and goals against, 276 goals against, 913 save percentage, where it's 314 and 901 for Corpus Allo, respectively. And then obviously you got Kevin Lankin, and who's 5-1-3 and three with 217 and a 933. And then Malcolm Subban's 1-1-1 one, one, and one with a 292 and 913. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you brought it up too, Johnny. Um, I know this is a bit long-winded, but you, uh, you brought it up perfectly that Columbus fans should be a little concerned right now with the current standing of that team. Um, just because with the amount of talent that they have on it, they should not be struggling this much and not have this much drama where one of your star players in Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out so badly to where he played like one shift in a game and then was benched the rest of the game. Like that shouldn't be happening. Um, it, it really does feel like I think just Tortorella is trying to sabotage that team. Um, whether intentional or not, I don't really care. Uh, he, he just, it looks awful. So, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. And on top of it, one last crazy stat to end this thing out, Johnny, and I'll, I'll, I'll say the Hawks have a good shot in this game, especially if the Columbus Blue Jackets commit a lot of penalties. The Hawks are 10th right now in PK in the NHL, and they're fourth on the power play. When was the last time that we talked about them being top 10 in both categories? Yeah, no, I'm only top 10 in PK last year, which was a good step forward, but power play was lacking. So, yeah, been a while. <laughs> been a while so i think you know very good opportunity here for the hawks i mean they, they outplayed the jackets in the last two games that they saw them uh even though they split the that two game series so uh hell uh, mm. you know let's let's hope for some good stuff uh, out of this hawks team they've been hot lately and um they've been beating some good clubs so i think this columbus blue jackets team it comes at a perfect time for them to you know maybe get a couple more points uh you know as the weekend approaches uh, Hawks are now six, four and four after tonight's OT winner, Ron. Um, I like seeing that win column stack up uh, higher than uh, the L column. It's just a pleasant sight to see and an unexpected sight. I don't know about you. So hit me with final thoughts and we'll get out of here. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, unexpected is a very good word for it. I mean, obviously they've played more games than just about everybody in their division outside of pretty much Nationals only played one less game. And then they played the same amount as Columbus and Detroit. Tampa, Carolina, Dallas, and uh, Florida have all played less than uh, 12 games. So for what it is, but like you said, the Hawks are still getting points. I mean, they picked up, you know, four points because of those overtime losses. Um, 
you know, 12 points because of those wins. So, I mean, they're playing well against good hockey teams. They played well against Carolina. They played well against Dallas. So really intrigued to see what they do now against Columbus. They sit third in the division right now. That's absolutely just looking at it aesthetically right now is actually making me giggle um, in all the good ways, just because it's like <laughs> I, none of us expected this. Let's be honest here. And and they're, they're still finding it a way that but um, no, stick to click. I mean, Oh, I, it, this is a tough one. I, I just, you know, I feel like DeBrinket would be such an easy answer here just because of how hot he's been recently. Um, but just something is telling me to pick this guy. I'm going to go with Nicholas Bodan. I'm going to go with Slick Nick. Like, I just, I have a feeling he's going to break through. It's going to come on the power play. He's going to get his first career goal. You know, like it, it's just going to be some beautiful point shot where he just rips it and it has eyes and just finds the back of the net. Like, that's what I want to see out of Slick Nick. I don't want to see him play more minutes. So I think it's a safe stick to click here is I want Nicholas Bodan to do well, because like you said earlier, he's really kind of shaping up to be that hybrid guy that mm-hmm. is going to fit in really nicely with this club three, four years down the road when he's a nice like third or fourth guy. Right, you want Mitchell and Boakfist ultimately to become your like one and two, be your Keith and Seabrook of the future, you know. But every Keith and Seabrook needed a Jalmerson. Every Mitchell and Boakfist is going to need a Bowden. So give me Slick Neck is my stick to click. Ooh, well put there. Uh, very, very fancy with the words at the end there, Ron. I Thank like you. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and don't, don't think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Uh, we're just making comparisons in the structure. Uh, I'm not saying any of those guys will be like uh, Stanley Cup champions uh, of years past. Time will tell. We will see. But uh, good early returns from Nick Bodan, I think, there. And so I like that pick. Um, I, I Unfortunately, I went with the defenseman, too, for this past game. It was Connor Murphy, but, you know. Saw that uh, he pulled out of the lineup. I thought he, you know, I would get one of his random ones there. So uh, I'll, I'll move it back up to the forward group. A uh, guy who had an excellent secondary assist tonight, uh, Mr. Philip Kershev. Um, the, oh, I like yeah. his vision. Um, you know, he gets that time on the second power play. Um, and, you know, Dominic Kubelik could be a good pick here, too, because Kubelik's racking up the assists. I don't think people are realizing that. What's he only got three goals in the season, but those assists just keep piling up and piling up from that right circle, man. He's finding a way uh, to get into those lanes there. But, hey, uh, it came from across the seam from Kershev. So I'll go with him yeah. uh, finding someone else, too, uh, in this next game. Just really quick, but, you know, before you wrap things up, I mean, to your point about Kubelik, I think he's really starting to show off his ability as a playmaker. You know, last year people got so used to him being a goal scorer because obviously 30 goals, 16 assists, that screams, oh, he's a goal scorer. He's a goal scorer. You know, oh, he, he just plays well with Jonathan Chase. The dude's got 12 points in, what, 14 games? now this season um on a really depleted roster and like you said he just keeps racking up the assists he's he's turning into more of a complete hockey player i feel like both him and to break it kind of and it, it's really a fresh sight to see yeah yeah absolutely cat's hot too um you know uh, not as much tonight but before this uh, he had three multi-point games since returning from the covid list so uh, another one to keep an eye on if you're playing at home but we will go with bodine for you uh, i'll go with kurashev and that does it for the show um so uh, we know you enjoyed the outcome uh, we hope you enjoyed the podcast as well uh, once again make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all things chicago sports uh, podcasts articles videos all that good stuff on all of our teams uh, beyond just the blackhawks there but we are here at Four Feathers, official Blackhawks coverage unit for ONTAP Sportsnet. So go and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and the main account at ONTAP Sportsnet. Ron, that's it. Let's send it down. Three magic words. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks.